I must say, I'm in love with the room that you're in right now with all those action oh, figures and the Power you. Rangers and the Zords. It's called Divorce. This episode of Unloading Meat is not brought to you by someone like Ridge Wallet. Ridge Wallet. Man, I really wish I had a new wallet, Stefano. Mine's falling apart over here. It's like held together by dreams and duct tape. And it's it's pretty empty as it is. Um, man, if I had a company like Ridge sponsoring this show, guys, you wouldn't have to hear these horrible, horrible fake ads. So if you want to make that happen, reach out to your comp- favorite company like Ridge and uh, tell them to sponsor the show, Unloading Meat. Anyway, back to the show. All right, guys, my next guest is my favorite comedian from Anthony, Kansas. No coincidence that I just found out that there is an Anthony, Kansas, and this is the only comedian I know. Please welcome Danny L. Danny, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. No problem. Uh, Thank you for coming on. This is fun. I I, I love the difference I can do between both in-studio and uh, via the web. I like you know, the different challenges and the different setups I have to do and stuff like that. So I, I am eager to have an interview with, over the web too, especially for somebody that's a, a, a ways away. Right. You're about three hours from me. Yeah. Well, thank you for reaching out and seeing the post and everything. I appreciate it. Like I said, we're trying to build something here. So any comedian that needs a, a spotlight or any help or anything like that, um, I'm going to be traveling too. So I'd love to, you know, make some friends in the Wichita area. Yeah, um, there's actually a pretty good scene in Wichita. I was surprised when I found out about it. Um, I was actually a local acoustic artist for a while. And I went on my friend's open mic, which was a music mic, did some comedy. And that's how I found there's other comedians out there. Nice. Uh, So how long have you been doing this? Um, Actually, not that long. Surprisingly, only about maybe eight months, nine months at most. Okay. I can't talk right now. Like, <laughs> I grew up watching Jeff Foxway, Blue Collar, all the greats, you know, on Comedy Central. And just one night, I've had a dream, wild hair at my butt, I guess. I'm going to go do stand up <laughs> comedy. It just worked. Doing it since. Yeah. Nice. Okay. We're back. Mm-hmm. Well, what happened right. is like your audio started going between my, my desktop and my audio board. And so I was hearing you twice as an echo for some reason so i was trying to shut one down and then right in the middle of that my camera was like oh you don't want to work that one either and it just closed (laughs) (laughs) yay it's because technology hates me i i I told you this but we're back now everything's good uh yeah technology fucking hates me too i don't know what it is it's because i grew up fat i don't know it's it's, it's, it's obesist i say it's because i was raised by boomers (laughs) aren't we all in this area yes most of us (laughs) So, um, getting back to the comedy section before I rudely interrupted with my fucking camera. Um, <laughs> what is some of your, or who is some of your greatest inspirations for comedy? I always ask that, like, like who's your favorite comedians? What, like, what, what kind of style would you associate with you as far as like, what brings your, you know, what, what kind of styles developed into Danielle, so to speak? That makes sense. I like to say she's kind of a blend of Bill Ingvall, Gabriel Iglesias, uh, Larry the Cable Guy. 
yeah, that's pretty much all that's coming to my mind right now. My mind is <laughs> going like a million miles an hour at the moment. We're from Kansas and Oklahoma, so pretty much everybody that had a DVD at Walmart. Pretty much. Pretty <laughs> much. Anyone who had a special on Comedy Central yeah. or HBO, yeah, those were pretty much my idols growing up. <laughs> that's a good list, though. I mean, yeah. Gabriel Iglesias, man. I mean, obviously, you can tell I'm a fan. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he coined Fluffy, and then I was like, that was my nickname besides Ralphie in high school for like 10 years, so thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, before that, it was just Husky, because that was the name of my jeans, but <laughs> well, at least it's yeah. Fluffy's a little bit better. But yeah, I mean, that's a good list. That's a good list to have. I always am fascinated in uh, learning comedians' backstories. I love hearing who inspired them, because uh, I'm still new to this. I I dabbled like 14, 15 years ago, tried a couple open mics, and then some things had some falling outs. And I didn't try again until last year. I did an open mic. I just did one wow. to see if I could try again and see if I still had it. And even though I bombed, I had fun. And I, you know, I, I was like, I felt something on stage. And then this was something I worked on for about two years, just on, through COVID and trying to figure out what to do and built this studio and stuff and this was on the back burner and then january this year is when i launched everything like stand-up comedy i'm just full in comedy this year so i've only done maybe 10 shows or so this year but just trying to really push and just not look back so by no means am i a fucking pro or master or anything like that just because i have a fucking podcast doesn't mean shit it just means right. i'm trying <laughs> i'm trying something different <laughs> So don't nothing wrong with that. Yeah. So like I love this show for being the place to have spotlight of other new comedians and even people that are established. I have people on here that have been doing this for a couple of years. And I love picking their brain and learning their story, what got them into comedy, you know. And one of my favorite things to do with other comedians is just workshop. I love just workshopping jokes and going to open mics and just, you know, working through shit and having fun. So that's kind of where this comes from. I just love picking comedians brains and i also love to ramble and talk as you can tell that's why i have a mic in my, my fucking mouth hey that's what makes a great comedian right there yeah um i will say props to you on as far as i watched you know before i, I get a guest on here i like to watch some of their footage and you know, kind of get to know them a little bit i have been watching your youtube footage and oh, i you. watched your sets um one thing that stood out to me immediately is your stage presence you have really? great stage presence the way that you walk around the way that you handle the mic the way you were jumping around like that one that you posted that was like nine minutes and like you had to walk around the the speaker like you, just the way you did like you're very animated on on stage so like that's something i picked up on immediately so props to you that, like, that was really good and that's what happens when you get someone with adhd in a car <laughs> by themselves for three hours they just can't control themselves on stage well you need to keep oh. that three-hour drive every time come back to down to tulsa or something like that <laughs> because i plan on it i actually want to go to tulsa and oklahoma city more this year because there's so much to do down there it's i love wichita i really do but we need more in wichita yeah and then i mean 15 years ago when i tried this it was just the looney bin in tulsa so when the thing that happened there uh uh happened i was like oh there's no other spots in tulsa so like I, i just gave a comedy for 15 years almost because I didn't think there's anything else. And then last year I was just like, oh shit, there's open mics other than that place in Tulsa. And I'm not disparaging Looney Bin. I've actually been back since yeah. there. Uh, I had a friend friend that was doing open mics back then. And basically after like one or two shows, he would tell you not to come back so you can get more mm-hmm. people in and get more time. 
And right. I didn't know that. So I thought I was banned from the only comedy club in Tulsa. So I just gave wow. a comedy because I thought I was banned and it had nothing to do with me or the club. It was just him lying to people to get more people in revolving door. Wow. That's yeah. Yeah. And wow. it, 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 it crippled me from comedy for years. Cause I just thought I was canceled. Yeah. It, it was a fucked up situation, but yeah, like nothing against Looney Bin or anything, but like at the time that was the only club. So now I see Tulsa there's multiple shows a night. Like there, Tulsa is booming. It's on the, ver- I always it it's on the bubble uh, with Tulsa King coming out. Uh, there's a show reservation dogs. There's a lot of stuff in the Tulsa area. that's just kind of getting more into lexicon of pop culture. So I, I'm, that's why I try to launch the podcast this year and stuff like that and be Tulsa based is just trying to get back to this community. That's really on the verge of just blowing up. I think. Yeah, I think so. Cause I heard that cellar dweller is really big. Yeah. I was there. just there last night. How was yeah. it? It was pretty good. I did. Uh, I'm trying not to do shit because I have a I have a showcase show this Friday at Fresh Faces show. It's the show that Michael Patton puts on in Tulsa, and it's like all the people that are just the new new faces of comedy in the area. He does it like quarterly, and uh, you can't ask to be on. It's like one of those things where he asks other promoters and just like who they know around town, and you have to be requ- you have to be basically uh, what's it called recommended recommended. Thank you. Yeah, you have to be recommended for the show. So, yeah, it's kind of like an honor thing to be on there. Like, I'm really grateful to, you know, maybe I've been recommended because I've only been doing this in January and now I'm doing that. So that's this Friday. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited for that. But I did the seller last night to try out some of those jokes. The seller's a little different. It's, I mean, the seller is a bar. I mean, it's a, it's a it's a speakeasy. And you have the left side that's just people at the bar drinking. And then you have this little right side that's just boosts and it's just stand-up comedians waiting to do the open mic. And then you're in the middle with just a light. So huh. it's a really small place. It's a great environment because there's no TVs. There's no pool tables or anything like that. It's just the bar and comedians. So it's a great yeah, environment uh, to try shit out. Uh, it was a uh, Miss Kitty out of Oklahoma City. She was telling me about that. You have to go yeah, down the slide of stairs to go down there. Yeah. Um. The worst part about it for me is I'm claustrophobic. So it's a small little place in the, you know, in the basement and they have to go down those stairs. So like I can only do it in like 30 minute bursts and then I have to like get up and go smoke or something just because right. it keeps me after a little bit. But yeah, it's a great place. It's one of my favorite open mics I've ever done just because of the, the way it's set up. And like I said, with no TVs, no pool tables, there's no distractions. It's just comedy down there. Nice. So it's fun. The bartenders are great. I mean, uh, even the bartenders have sometimes done little roasts and stuff like that. They've come over and done sets. So it's just a fun environment for comedy. I can't recommend it enough. So yeah, if you're ever free Sunday nights, I'd recommend doing the drive. Sounds like it'd be worth it. Yeah, Definitely worth it. Uh, What's some of the spots in Wichita area that you do? Um, Wichita, um, officially for comedy, we only have the Looney Bin. Okay. But there's a venue that a comedian owns. It's called Borchez. He's trying to get more comedy stuff in there. I'm actually going to an open mic up there after a show. I don't remember what the guy's name is. Last name is Alton. Okay. But, yeah. And I've had a lot of fun at the open mics there. Great environment. They have no pool tables. There is a couple of TVs, but the people there pay attention really well. Yeah. Um. We also have a place called John Barleycorns. That's where the music mix mic is on Wednesday nights. They have a lot of different acts throughout the week. Um, we have a few others, but they kind of died out on open mics. 
unfortunately. It happens. I mean, it, it, yeah. Open mics and bars are. Uh, I mean, not that I'm disparaging like the ones that have TVs and stuff, but like the it's hard. It's a hard venue sometimes to do comedy, and also if they're not getting enough drinks out of it, sometimes they don't see the benefit of it. It's oh, yeah. it's just a it's a it's a what do you call it? <laughs> it's a complicated thing of uh, it's a balancing act of making sure that right. profits are there for the bar and there's actually you know a good crowd that actually wants to see you know see comedy and not just leave me alone when I'm drinking. Right. I get that a lot when I go to the barley corns mic because a lot of the people are there for music or they're musicians waiting for their turn. They're like, what the hell is this? Yeah. I didn't come here for this. Yeah. And then about three minutes into my set, they're like, oh my gosh, this is actually good. She's actually funny. Yeah. Or I'll just get the blank stares. Yeah. Get off the stage. You're not funny. Yeah. Yeah. Some people think I am. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to do. Like, you know, like I said, I'm still new to this. So, like, I'm trying to develop that callus of what I know is funny and, like, not trying to, like, take it so personally if I'm not getting the laugh or anything like that. You know, it's a, it's a learning thing. Every time you go up yeah. there, and you, get, you build that That's callus. the hardest thing, too. Is to keep going. Is ignoring it. Ignoring yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, and try to embrace it or just have fun with it. That's, that's the two things I tell people like when they're on my show too, like for me personally, just as my personal thing. Now I've tried every time I go up stage to this, remember, keep the energy up like a roller coaster, like take them on a roller coaster ride. If you're going to go low, it's intentional for where your low spot spots, like, mm-hmm. you know, keep them on a roller coaster ride. But most importantly, every time I go up there and I'm about to go up, I just say, have fun. I, if I'm having fun and I keep it fun, they're going to have fun. That's just how I try to yep. have it. And I have to have that drilled into my brain as I'm walking up. I'm like, have fun, have fun, have fun, have fun. Because the moment I feel like I'm not doing well or anything, you, they see it. Yeah. Yeah. And they'll eat you the, the fuck alive. <laughs> oh, yeah. They can tell if you're scared. They can tell if you're not confident in yourself. It's amazing what the audience knows about you before you know about you. Yeah, it is. It really is. Uh, You know. A lot of us don't understand how much we, you know, wear our heart on our, on our sleeves, so to speak, or like you can see just our facial expressions. Yeah. What we're bringing up to the stage. And uh, yeah, it's pretty transparent when there's a spotlight on you. <laughs> yeah. Very transparent. Because we're all narcissists. I mean, we all have to be a little bit to be a comedian. And yeah. we all crave that spotlight. But then once it gets on, sometimes we forget, oh, shit, it actually is on us. <laughs> uh, so. What would you like to? I, I heard that you are a uh, what do you how do I phrase this? You are a what do you call it? Uh, homeschool mom, yes. So, yes. and I, I liked some of your stand a bit bits about uh, how like the crazy, the crazy religious ones, and then you start going off on that. I love that. I love that. That was really good. Thank uh, you. So, how many kids do you have? I have two kids. I did have a teenager staying with me for a little bit. It was a weird situation. And we tried homeschooling high school. And I, that was my first high school dropout. Oh. Even in homeschooling, <laughs> you could have dropouts. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, my oldest, she actually wanted to go to public school this year. So we, we, me and my husband let her. And <laughs> she came home with head lice. That was oh, shit. fun. Yeah. She decided, well, maybe homeschooling was better, Mom. Hmm, you think? <laughs> you think? We tried to warn you, kid. It's funny because, like, I, like, so, like, my both my, I have a 12-year-old and a 6-year-old. Um, 
I, they are through they're in they're in public school right now but like at the same time i have a sister who is religious and has chosen to be a homeschool with her daughter who's also 12 like that my daughter and her daughter are a month apart so they're like they're more sisters than cousins okay. and it's been kind of fascinating to see like my daughter go through public schools and then this daughter this my niece through the homeschool but my my sister is the very definition of what you talked about in your stand-up of the religious nut job like we don't speak anymore or anything like that like there's oh a my gosh. yeah uh once she found out i was bi we had like a whole separation of everything yeah so yeah it's yeah. just one of those things but like uh not that i'm disparaging anything you do as a homeschooler it's just more like everything you said about like the religious nut job kind of part of the, of the yeah. thing i was like oh does she know my sister i was like oh shit. <laughs> So, yeah, it was very relatable. <laughs> yeah. Well, I grew up at a Christian private school. And, yeah. and I'm not disparaging Christians or anything. I hope you understand. <laughs> well, I don't even understand why my family put me in the school because they are the bipolar opposite of the typical Christian family th yeah. that would go through a private school. So I kind of raised my kids pretty similar to how I was raised. Yeah. Yeah, I do the Christian curriculums but i'm not shove it down their throat you're gonna learn this yeah. this is the way yeah yeah no a lot of people think that homeschoolers are just like that and nah we're not we're not all like that no and like I, I, i'm never gonna be the one to like just generalize anybody that does something and honestly i gotta say props to you because like a lot of us public schoolers tried it for that brief time during covid and holy shit right like, we were I, the heroes yeah i wanted to be like giving you like standing ovations outside of seven o'clock when you're off your shift and shit like that like the nurses and stuff like i felt like i needed that after like four hours on the fucking webcam <laughs> yeah like, i don't even know how public school teachers do it man i have a hard enough time with my yeah. one kid that's upstairs right now my eight-year-old luckily she's to the point where she can start teaching herself start reading on her own yeah but I don't know how they do it with 10, 20, 30 kids in the classroom. Yeah. Like I looked out here in my Oklahoma town, like the, the school that my, my six year old's at is smaller. Like it, it's, they don't go over like the 20 or like that. So it's like 12 is like in their classroom. So it's not too bad. And like, she actually has a good teacher. So like, again, it's one of those things where I'm not, okay. Well, where do we get to go on this conversation? I don't know why we're going through this shit. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I'm not like trying to like compare public to fucking private or whatever. <laughs> right. Uh, I don't even know where we're going with the conversation. Uh, I don't either, but it's a fun ride. <laughs> <laughs> At least we got the I am definitely I'm enjoying it. <laughs> Schools are fun. But yes, yeah, I was going to just say props to you because like, yeah, a, a time during COVID will be able to try. I was like, yeah, I understand. It's a lot of work. <laughs> uh, so you balance that comedy uh what interest do you guys have like what's what's some of your hobbies well um i read a lot i work at a library on saturdays and i'm always bringing home at least five or six books Ooh. where i have the time to read i don't know but when i'm not doing that i play guitar play on my bass nice. guitar i used to have some drums but you know money yeah to get rid of them i tried so, learning, yeah i tried learning guitar um I was one of the nerds that like, you know, when Guitar Hero came out and everybody was like, mm -hmm. oh, if you're going to play that, you should learn the real guitar. I was like, I was like, <laughs> OK. And then I bought that game Rocksmith. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Oh, yeah. I have both of them. It's fun. It's fun. It as is. Hell. Um, and that it I is. played that for about a year and bought. I mean, I spent like four hundred dollars on fucking tracks in that fucking game. Um, oh, wow. 
uh like i was really invested in it and it was a great thing i'm like I mean, i'm sure you know because you played it like you know every time yeah. you play the song it like, adds more to it and stuff like that like it actually did help it me gets harder and harder yeah it actually gets to the point where you master the song and it takes all the notes away and you have to play it from memory i didn't get from there but like i, I never I, got I played, there i played for about a year just playing that in my off time until like i got really bored and i had to sell my guitar and shit like that it's so like i just never have picked it up again but like yeah. you know, in high school I played saxophone. Um, I've always loved music, and I wanted to get into guitar and stuff. Uh, the closest I have now is my two shows, the podcast, and the next show I'm launching, Fat Nerd News. I had to write the two rap theme songs. Oh, nice! <laughs> so nice. I I am actually accredited rap lyricist. I guess you could say. Okay. I don't know why. Yeah, thanks. Fine. I am too. If tequila is involved. <laughs> That's a great. That's a great line. That's a great line. You should say that. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I'll have to remember that. <laughs> so uh, it's funny you uh, mentioned Guitar Hero because that's actually the reason I got into my guitar. Really? My grandpa, my great grandpa, he saw me playing Guitar Hero. He's like, "I'm gonna look, teach you how to play the real guitar." And I got a guitar for my birthday that year. And between him and my private school lessons, and that's how I got into it. <laughs> I always think back to uh, I watched Metallica live at the BOK Center in like 2008, uh, 2008, and uh, James Hetfield was doing the song. I think it's called One. I'm not mm-hmm. the biggest That's Metallica fan. Okay, so I'm not the I, like I love Metallica. I like them, and like, but like as far as like song titles, I always forget song titles and stuff like that. It's One, yes. So you know, it starts out with his solo at the beginning. The do no 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 and he screws up live like he misses a note and it goes and he goes fuck and it just keeps going and I just laugh every time I hear that song now because it reminds me of a uh, South Park when Randy's playing Guitar Hero and he's mm-hmm. trying to do it for real and it's just like you hear all the missed notes and stuff and that's all I hear every time I hear one now is I hear him just Beep, fuck and it just it's submitted to me I love that part and it's just like I love when rockers you know he kept going it was a great performance. Yeah, but uh, I just love whenever you can hear those real mess ups and just seeing how they do it in real time too. Because I was in the pit, I was right there watching him, and it was just a great moment. And you can tell he was legit pissed off after he missed that note too. And he just kept going. Oh yeah, professional. Yeah, it's funny because when the professionals mess up, nobody really notices. But when somebody like a cover artist does, oh man, they get slammed hard. They oh, get yeah. canceled. They they might as well just go hide under a rock. Yeah. So how long have you been doing music? Um, I learned how to play the guitar when I was 14. I started playing it more when I was in my 20s. So probably about 10 years professionally. There's a fly in here. <laughs> Random. You sure it's not the mosquito trapped in amber from Jurassic Park? Oh, it could be that. I don't know. I don't know. I was just making reference to your t-shirt. Um, <laughs> uh, don't tell my husband. <laughs> It's actually his. Oh, <laughs> spoiler alert. This episode of Unloading Me is not brought to you by a famous game like Raid Shadow Legends. Raid Shadow Legends. I've never played it, but boy, if they sponsor this show, I might give it a try. Hopefully. It, it, it really depends, Stefano, on what the contract says, like how long I had to play it. I've heard good things. Have you heard good things? Eh, nobody cares about your opinion. Anyway, if you... uh are sick of these fake ads make sure that you reach out to people like raid shadow legends and uh tell them to sponsor the show on loading meat and they'll be replaced soon anyway back to the show 
do you guys have a band right now or like so like tell me about the well, like, music side i was in a few bands i was in a traveling nationally traveling band called ridiculous tricks for a while and that kind of dissolved um for the past i don't know seven years off and on i've been playing guitar with my church's band at on sundays so that's a lot of fun yeah that's cool i i, I love like i'm not particularly religious but i have nothing against or anything um right but i love seeing the live band performances at churches and stuff like that it's, it's really cool seeing that aspect of it because i was raised methodist and just like the old school just not 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 disparaging you know just the different type of churches and so that's what i was raised on so seeing that difference i don't know it's very is it's pretty cool seeing that i love seeing the live performances behind it and honestly too i've gotten a lot of videography tips and stuff for this podcast from churches yeah like you Uh, guys go hard when it comes to production values (laughs) yeah uh so prop uh, yeah that's what i'm saying like props like it's just yeah i get a lot of production value tips and tricks uh live performances and stuff like i'm actually working on trying to launch a live venue for this like do a live show once a month and so yeah that'd be awesome and i want more people to you know get out there and i want to raise people up as i grow too right it's fun yeah i'm having a lot of fun on this so far besides me talking over you i ramble a lot sorry <laughs> it's okay are you a gamer at all uh, or yeah i play games sometimes um right now i'm waiting on hogwarts legacy for ps4 they pushed the date back on us again to may so i'm replaying all the harry potter games that were on the ps2 and ps1 I nice how hard those were i love the uh, i don't know if you played the lego ones the lego harry yes potter. it's fun i love those it's a lot of fun, and the details really it great. Is. Especially like, like Diagon Alley and stuff. I'm a big Harry Potter fan too. Me too. Oh. Like you would love. Uh, I think you and your husband would love my house. Like as far as like, I have a Star Wars kitchen. I have a Harry Potter hallway. That I'm actually eventually the fe- idea is I'm gonna get my daughter's uh, custom portraits done, and it's gonna be like the movable por- portraits. Get them in like Hogwarts robes and stuff like that, and then I'm gonna put those on the wall. So as you walk by, they kind of move. Oh, That's nice um and then i got all the wands like i got I, i'm one of those guys that like those like uh mystery wands they had at walmart where you can like open it up and get a certain wand we went to every single fucking walmart and i got like 30 of those like i have the entire set like i have oh every gosh. single wand from harry potter like i go hard <laughs> uh, i am not allowed to buy those i would be <laughs> tempted to buy the whole shelf too but no my husband says no we can't we can't we can't we got those we, we got like <laughs> we got like 90% of them like we didn't really get any duplicates at our local Walmart we did really well and then there was like two we just could not find and I was like well the one thing about it that people don't understand and maybe this is just the shitty thing about it is technically yes you open up the box but it's still just a toy at Walmart so yeah. I cracked it open I'm like oh I have this duplicate I just took it back and got my money back <laughs> yes. it wasn't that big of a deal like and they still sold it <laughs> other and people were like the thing about the mystery wands is it actually is a benefit to other people collecting because then it's back opened on the shelf and people can be like, oh, I have that one. Oh, I don't have that one. And then they can just get it. But yeah. it actually helped out the other collectors in the long run. Uh, but what I end up doing is going like on Mercari and eBay and just finding the other random two and just buying them for the same price. Because people were like, oh, I have duplicates of this one. They just sell it for the same price where I get their money back. So it's kind of easy to find those whole sets if you actually wanted to make the plunge. It wasn't that much cost effective. It wasn't like I was spending like a hundred dollars on just one wand. Yeah. But yeah, I got pretty 
obsessed with finding those. It was fun too with the kids too. They they liked the like the the scavenger hunt of kind of trying to find the wands and stuff like that too. My kids are actually embarrassed that we're so into Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, "Mom, Harry Potter sucks." <laughs> no, it doesn't. I'm still waiting on my Hogwarts letter. Okay. <laughs> I uh, I I've been playing Hogwarts Legacy on PS5. I have that. I've been, I've been streaming it a little bit, but like I I'm Ravenclaw right now trying to go through there and like i haven't i haven't played too much and then i'm gonna make two playthroughs one with the good guy and then i'm gonna go full slither and then the other one and just learn all the bad spells <laughs> and just go full evil it's a fun oh, game that was my original plan right there yeah there's so much just depth. Go full it, on. it's so much there's so much to do like yeah i can't recommend it enough i can't wait for you to get it it's fun awesome looking forward to it <laughs> i must say i'm in love with the room that you're in right now with all those action oh, figures and the power you. rangers and the zords it's called divorce <laughs> <laughs> no uh it's called uh being trapped in your house for two years or whatever for covid like and having all that stimulus money yeah yeah facts facts yes uh no it was just one of those things where like right before covid my wife at the time and me went to a vintage stock and we saw a Power Ranger Megazord, and she was like, "Oh, that's cool." And I was like, "Yeah, I had one. I never got that one as a child. I missed that one. That was my favorite, like the default classic Megazord." And it was like sixty bucks, and she's like, "You should get it." And that just started the obsession again. And then COVID hit, and I just became a toy collector and just started going nuts, buying stuff and just you know collecting. And that's actually how I paid the bills during COVID. Is I flip figures. Oh. Cool. So I made a business out of just, you know, looking for collectibles around here, NECA, stuff like that. And on the coast during COVID, you know, they're sold out. Targets, Walmarts, you know, everybody's staying in one that stuff. It's still rare, but it's selling out quick. But here, there was no collectors going out. So, like, Targets and Walmarts were just overrun with all these rare collectibles. So I was just flipping them nonstop, buying what I wanted, you know, buying my stuff. And then I was paying for this and then also, you know, paying the bills. I mean, there was times I was bringing in five hundred to a thousand dollars a month just flipping toys, and then once the stimulus money dried up from everybody, and then you know, not you know the recession or whatever you want to call it now, people stopped buying toys about I don't know Octoberish of last year. I don't know what it is, but I don't know. I know Hasbro raised their prices like from nineteen dollars to twenty five a piece. Yeah, and then it got ridiculous. It got ridiculous, uh, but a lot of stuff changed and it just became very hard to even make money on any toy. Like I, I'd flip it. I make 10 bucks maybe. And then I got to check shipping and all that stuff. And it just became where I was like losing money. And I had a whole warehouse of stuff here. And I eventually just sold it to a local uh, GameStop or not GameStop, but a, a game store that was just taking trade-ins and stuff. I was like, just get rid of this other stuff. And I just got store credit. So it ended badly, but it got me through COVID and it built the set. It helped build the set. Cause that's what fun. Yeah, nothing stuff. wrong with that. Yeah. What sort of sort of geeky stuff are you guys into? Like I saw Jurassic Park. I love the Joe Dirt behind you. Oh yeah. We the go twister? the twister behind yeah, you. Yeah. Uh I just yeah, saw the bottom. Me... That's how you know I'm an Okie. I just saw the bottom, the corner of the <laughs> two people, and I was like, that's Twister. Fun fact, Twister was actually filmed about 12 miles, 12, 15 miles away from where I live. Nice. Waquito, Oklahoma. Nice. Uh, yeah, like one of the newscasters, uh, I can't remember his name, but he was like one of the, the Tulsa news meteorologists. He's in there as a cameo too. Mm-hmm. I remember like seeing him like every time he's on the news, every like five days a week. And I was like, oh, that's our guy. Uh, yeah, they're making a yeah. second one I heard. 
Yeah, they are. And um, every year, I think it's in September, the town of Wakita actually has what's called Twister Days. They have a big parade with storm chasers. Me and my best friend used to be in the parade. He was a storm chaser for about 10 years. And yeah, it's a lot of fun. They have a little museum down there. They have these plaques all around town. This is where Aunt Meg's house was. This is where Steven Spielberg built a town and destroyed it. It's pretty cool. I like I that movie still holds up. It's a really good movie. Um, it is. I love like how many big name actors are in that that you don't remember, like Philip Seymour Hoffman. Like yep. I know I mean, now Bill I know Paxton. who Paxton. Bill Paxton. Um, um, the the lady was that was his there, wife wasn't one of the Hunt sisters in it. Helen Hunt. Was it Helen yeah. Hunt? Yeah. Helen Hunt. Yeah. Helen Hunt was the main star. Bill Paxton, and then Philip Seymour Hoffman was the guy in the Hawaiian shirt and the long hair. Mm-hmm. Uh. His wife went on to do that show yesterday or something like that. I think like the one that played his wife with the the brunette. Mm-hmm. Uh, she went um, on. I can't remember her name, but she was in a lot of different stuff too. I can't remember her name either. I I do have a autographed picture that I got last time I was down there from the flashback mom, April Little John Warren. Oh, nice. She still does a lot of stuff. She goes out to L.A. sometimes, I think, and she does little projects here and there. I follow her on Facebook. It's pretty neat to see what she's up to nice hopefully they they, they they uh bring a lot of those people back for part two like you know I hope so. town and stuff because it was a big deal here in the, in this area just like you know they're filming a movie back then was, i mean now oklahoma area there's getting a lot more movies like I, we talked about like reservation dogs is here tulsa king mm-hmm. movies being shot left and right ben affleck had a movie yeah. here um it's kind of blowing up in this area but like back then that was like what 96 95 something like that yeah uh, it was a, it was a big deal one. Because Oklahoma was like just truck stops and rednecks and cowboys. And I mean, it was back then. I was like, that was a lot of publicity for this small area. So, yeah, it, it's still significant. I mean, I, I love the poster. I love yeah. that you have that there. That's actually my favorite poster that we have. Nice. Um, the Joe Dirt one, I think it's my husband's favorite because it says the adventures of Joe Dirt. They ah, changed yeah. the name, but they didn't change the posters. Ah, we also have a Boondock Saints poster that I have yet to hang up. I just don't know where we're going to put it yet. <laughs> and upstairs, we have a glass bottle collection. My husband collects these vintage glass bottles that he finds, pill bottles, oh, nice. um, soda bottles. Yeah. I, I, in my theater, like the living, slash living room, we have Forrest Gump, Beetlejuice, and then we have Avengers uh, Endgame as the, the big movie posters on the back wall. And then I have from actual movie theaters. I have uh, I'm a big Power Ranger fan, so the when the Power Ranger movie, even though it sucked mostly, came out, I got yeah. the actual poster from the IMAX, so I have that on one of the walls. And then my prize possessions are from a closed blockbuster. I have these like matte painting versions of movie posters, and it's for Rocky Horror Picture Show, Ooh. and it's another one of the two pack of uh, the Grindhouse movie, so a Death Proof and Planet of Terror of Quentin Tarantino. And then I have another one that is uh, V for Vendetta. And they're the movie poster, but they're done like a matte painting recreation of it. And then I have a texture into them and everything. And they're all framed. And when the local blockbuster closed, I got them. They were actually on their walls. I got them for like five bucks a piece. Wow. That's a steal. Yeah. And then I have another one somewhere that's a small, little small one. And it's the Godfather uh, poster. And I can't find that somewhere. And then I also have a Pulp Fiction one too. But like those are all around my theater. And those are just. They're beautiful. They're just really cool. You can feel the texture down them. They're just a neat piece. And uh, 
yeah, I can't recommend if you ever see an old blockbuster or like, like look on eBay for blockbuster posters, they're really cool. They're really, really neat posters. Cause they try to make the, I think they're even made by NECA or something like that. But like they at the time they were like Blockbuster wanted their own versions of movie posters. So they wanted to be like textured and like just custom or whatever, their own versions. Mm-hmm. So only they had these kind of type ones. And you don't have to like have a glass in front of them or anything like that. So they're great on camera because they're matte. So I mean they're just they're just a neat thing. I'll send you a picture afterwards. They're really neat. Cool. I'm geeking out by on my own stuff. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Uh so you're a movie buff. Your husband's a movie buff, mm-hmm. looks like. Uh favorite movie. You can pick more up. Uh, that is five. so hard. Oh, that is so hard. Okay, favorite movie of all time. Okay, it is actually a tie between three different movies. Okay. Inspector Gadget, starring Matthew Broderick and Rupert Everett. In a million years, I would have never guessed that one, but okay, continue. Really? Yeah. Um, I'm not mocking it. I'm just more in shock. (laughs) Obviously, Jurassic Park. I wanted to be like Dr. Grant when I was a kid. Good choice. Good pick. And uh, I actually did take an archaeology class when I was at Wichita State, and I didn't enjoy it. (laughs) It wasn't as much fun as it looked. So the, the professor was amazing, but yeah, just wasn't for me. Yeah. And my other favorite movie would be Toy Story. Ooh, yeah. I was obsessed with Woody when I was a kid. I remember one year I got Buzz Lightyear for my birthday. And I was like, I don't want this. Buzz Lightyear sucks. I want the cowboy. I love uh, Toy Story is a, a great one. I, lo- I mean, I have a soft spot in my heart for any Pixar movie. Like, I, I love, yeah, Toy Story is oh, a great one. Um, man, from my childhood, like, yeah, I, that's why, like, in my top three or five or whatever i don't know uh lion king has to be in there for me because just because of the experience like i saw it in theaters when i was like five and like that movie still holds up kind of like toy stories like that it just, mm-hmm. it's just around that time um jurassic park would be what there for me too because that movie still to this day like i remember vividly being like five or six years old going to theaters and seeing dinosaurs for the first time on big screen and it just to this day like i still get chills like it's just oh, those cinematography too. the way they did that they can it still holds up it looks like a great movie um the dinosaurs feel real they just that first shot when alan grant comes over that corner and and they they see it in the jeep or whatever and just like you could feel their like uh, wonderment and you could feel it through the camera and it just Mm -hmm. yeah it's amazing i love geeking out over jurassic park so yeah yeah. you give me goosebumps yeah i mean i got them too just thinking about those scenes like yeah it's just you know that's the kind of shit like that made me do this stuff like I don't know. It's my childhood. And those are the things that just brought me so much joy. And through COVID, you know, through such a depressing time, I really wanted to have that shit around me. of stuff that just brought me joy and just had happiness. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. um, me and my daughter now are watching parks and recreation. Uh, it's one of my all time favorite shows. Uh, simply because yes, it's done by the same people that do the office. I don't know if you've ever watched it or not. I've watched a few episodes. I didn't really get into it too much. It's it's like like The Office or some other shows. It's like you have to get past season one because they're trying to figure out what the fuck the show is. Right. But once season two happens, it gets really good. Um, but the main reason that me and her watch it, and I she has the same reaction I do, is every episode, yes, it's funny, but it's hopeful. Like you just come out of it feeling like these guys are like it's just happy. Like you just feel a sense of just happiness after you watch the show. 
like it's just a good show it's like you can tell everybody's having fun on the set and it's just an infectious kind of thing where everybody's doing their best because they're having fun and mm-hmm. i love shows like that where you can tell everybody's giving their all just because they're really into it and that's kind of where i get my stand-up comedy kind of too like i love listening to comedians i love listening to people like your, your sets of stuff because like i brought up your stage presence you could tell you're into it and it, it's a huge difference and i'm not trying to put you on the spot or make you like you know like blush or anything it's just one of those things where like you could tell the difference of people who give a shit is what i'm trying to say right so props to you i, I round that Thank back you. from parks to recreation to your stand-up somehow i'm a genius thank you you're <laughs> actually not the first person to tell me that um in the last year down here in anthony we put we had a play that a bunch of the adults were in and i was in it i play it was called the mousetrap by agatha christie okay and i played this character called case well who's kind of neurotic kind of kind of funny but on a mission I can't give too much away because it's an Agatha Christie play, <laughs> but I was told by so many people that my stage presence was awesome and that I should do it more often and acting and comedy is where I belong. So, yeah, it's very humbling to hear people say that because honestly, I don't think I'm really that good. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I mean, that's I mean, I want to give props to people who, who deserve it. But just seeing the clips that I've seen, yeah, yeah, you have great stage presence. Just keep at it. Like You're doing good. Thank as you. little as that means from a guy starting out too but <laughs> yeah it's just like that's the first thing i picked up was just your stage presence like you you command the set like you command the stage and you make the whole you you take out the room and that's what's important because you're the center of attention when you have the mic and yeah it's, it's a good thing to do i i myself struggle with it a lot uh mostly because i personally you know I, as you can tell i grew up as a fat guy so like I'm the fat guy that grew up always trying to make himself the smallest person in the room and like not make a big uh, stink about himself or like don't want to be noticed in the room because I'm the big awkward guy. So I'm the guy that's always like trying to look small in the room and stuff like that. So I have to fight that completely when I'm on stage. Like I have to cut off everything that just feels normal to me and just try to be out there. And I'm never that guy that's like, hi, I'm Jared Raphael. Nice to meet you. But when I'm doing this business, now I have to be. So, like, yep. I am really trying to go against type when I'm doing the stand-up stuff and just completely be different when I'm out there. And uh, It's funny that you said that because I was actually the same way growing up. I know it's hard telling looking at me now, but in middle school, elementary school, I was the fat kid, the poor kid that everybody picked on. And yeah. I just wanted to kind of blend in to the background and everybody ignore me. Don't look at me. Yeah. And that's, hon- that's honestly where, like, a lot of my shit happened during COVID, like, you know, like I said, I got divorced and through that thing, you know, the marriage fell apart and that's, that's a whole different thing. But like through COVID, like my depression, my anxiety went out through the roof. Um, I was scared to go out, scared of crowds. I still to this day have panic attacks uh, with a lot of crowds sometimes. Uh, I had a panic attack on stage once. Just out. It just happens. I, I, just things from COVID, that, that era that just kind of changed a lot about shit about me. Mm-hmm. And it's just I have to work through now. Um, and, you know, therapy has been great. <laughs> but uh it's just one of those things where i cope with it now so i bring it up a lot i used to love doing karaoke and at the height of covid we tried to do karaoke like oh not height of covid like towards the end when it was all going back to normal yeah um the last time i tried to do karaoke i had a panic attack just signing up because the crowds were getting big like i couldn't do crowds and like oh, i wow. said i'm also claustrophobic so like going down the cellar sometimes it can be a little thing but I didn't know I was claustrophobic until like two years ago. I didn't know I, that was actually what it was. 
So I had a sleep study done because I have sleep apnea. And during that, they strapped me to the bed and they put me down. Like, you know, I had to sleep like this. And I made it like an hour into it. I started having panic attacks. And I had to get all an ambulance and get like oxygen on me and shit. And they're like, hey, you're you're uh, extremely claustrophobic. I'm like, oh, well, I guess there's a medical definition for it. I didn't know. <laughs> but now it makes sense. So I'm trying to like be, you know, I, I temper it. And I try to watch for those signs on a lot of my shit. But uh, what I was getting at is I went from that to now I do stand up. Like I just, you know, I do smoke a little bit of weed. <laughs> it helps with my nerves. <laughs> but that's honestly that I use just to keep my anxiety down and I can deal with the crowds. Uh, but yeah, that's what I do. Like I came from being scared chills to even go out to now I go up and do stand up. So that's, that's some, pro- some uh, good progress right there. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it's my therapy. Like, honestly, everybody jokes about how, like, when you're on the mic, it's therapy. It really is true. It is. It it's is. so therapeutic. <laughs> We're all broken. Especially for a lot of my stories, because a lot of my stories that you haven't seen on the videos are about my crazy family growing up. And there's people that come up to me like, my family was like that, too. I'm so glad I'm not the only one. Yeah. yeah I'm glad I'm not the only one either. Yeah. Um. I mean, not to get dark here, but, like, you know, <laughs> a lot of my comedy is dark. Um, me, too. I talk about my history too. Like, you know, um, I'm a bi guy. Uh, I was sexually assaulted when I was a kid. I've had two suicide attempts, two divorces. Like, I, you know, I, I get real in my comedy with my, especially the podcast. I don't hide anything, but I try to find the humor in it. And there's been times where I've had promoters or somebody be like, hey, you shouldn't do those sexual assault jokes. Somebody might get offended. I'm like, but I was sexually assaulted. I'm telling you about my story and it's, fuck you like, <laughs> it's like uh no we're still gonna do this like it's like i gotta get through this shit and like i got some laughs it's working like you know I mean, yeah. the time and place um i mean everybody can usually tell intent and there's a way to come at it smartly smartly that's not even a word i, I just try to say smartly wow um there's a way to come at it intelligently uh to where i don't think any subject is off i don't think any subject is truly off limits as long as you hit it smart or so i did it again intelligently <laughs> um and you know that when it's a riskier subject you just gotta hit it right on the head like you gotta be perfect with it or else you're gonna risk a lot more that's the way mm-hmm. i look at it but i don't try to tell anybody don't do this joke don't do that just come at it you know intelligently yeah nailed it on the third time intelligently oh no I lost a wired headphone. If only I had a company like Raycon sponsoring today's episode. Raycon. I need headphones. I call myself an extroverted introvert. (laughs) (laughs) Extroverted introvert. I like that. That's something I'm trying to turn myself into. Like, (laughs) this has been fun. Thank you for coming on. So, too, this has been fun. It's been ramble. a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, I'm so, loving it because watching you talk is reminding me of me when my ADHD gets away from me. Yeah. <laughs> you can really tell when it happens. Yep. My grandpa Girl. used to call me hot rod because I'd go 90 to nothing. <laughs> well, that's like also where this comes in. Like whatever I have people as guests is like, I kind of want their imaginations to go nuts. And it's kind of like explosion of stuff behind them. And they're looking at this, looking at all this stuff, and, you know, they're having a drink, and they're smoking, they're having a, you know, beer. I'm trying to give them as much distraction to where they're not looking at the cameras and the lights and worried about the performance. 
So it works. Yeah. It usually works because people are just like looking around, having a good time, and they completely forget that they're on camera. And so yeah. I, I put myself looking at the background quite a bit. Yeah. And it, it, everything I try to do is intentional on this for this shit, besides just, you know, making an excuse for me to spend a shitload of money on toys. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's totally intentional. It's meta. What are you talking about? Um, <laughs> so, uh, what shows do you got coming up? Do you have anything in May or do you have anything? Um, in June, I believe it's June 10th. I will be at a place called Barcode in Wichita, Kansas. Nice. With about, I think they have 10 other acts, 10 other comedians on the lineup. It'll be a great night. A lot of great locals are going to be on it, including yours truly. Nice. <sighs> well, uh, Danny L, thank you so much for being on. Where can everybody find you? Well, you can find me on Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram, all under Danny L Comedy. Nice. And that's Danny with an I, D-A-N-I, capital L dot. Nice. Well, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on and loading me. It's been a pleasure. Uh, you're my third web interview. So I've been trying to improve the set, trying to like improve the quality of it every time. And like I said, I love the different challenges of interviewing somebody via the web versus being in person. It's a different aspect of different, you know, <laughs> different muscle I got to flex. So thank you for the opportunity. And, uh, I truly appreciate this conversation. It's been fun. I will try to get out to the Wichita area and see you guys out there. And anytime you're in Tulsa, come down here, hang out. I'd love to have you in the studio for season two and we'll figure it out. Okay. Yeah. I'd love to come back and thanks for having me on. I had a great time. Thank you so much. Uh, Guys, this has been unloading meat. I'm Jared Ralphie Allen. That's Danny L. Take care. Peace.